And I put them back on without untying them because I'm afraid that I won't get the like exact right, uh, you know, tightness. And I actually totally reason, agree. I never untie my shoes. <laughs> yeah. If for but some how do you reason, get them I, off and on? Uh, well, I can show you some techniques sometime, but yeah, yeah, you, you, you get good at it. Hello, and welcome to The Final Turn, an upbeat podcast about all things running. I am Keith, a well-motivated but often misguided runner. My co-host is Sean. Sean, how do you feel about your balance of motivation versus proper course in your training? Yeah, right now I'm supposed to uh, be taking some time off, letting my hips recover, which I've been saying for the better half of two years. But uh, I'm now in a step competition uh, with some coworkers, so uh, my motivation is purely to win. Uh, and now it's completely changed my training plan for March. But all good, all things considered. We'll we'll recover afterwards. Hopefully, the two of us can get on a better path after today's episode. Today, we're thrilled <laughs> yeah. to welcome Amanda Brooks to the show. Amanda is a certified personal trainer and running coach, and her recent book, Run to the Finish, provides inspiration and practical tips for runners who prioritize enjoyment over pace, something Sean and I should probably do a lot more often. <laughs> you can find Amanda on runtothefinish.com or at runtothefinish on Twitter and Instagram. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. So we usually open our episodes with a little discussion about our most recent run. So I'm obliged to ask, did you run today? I did run today. Uh, today was not that exciting, though. I'd rather talk about yesterday. It was finally spring-like in Denver. And so I was able to wear short sleeves and oh, not wow. feel like I was freezing. It was just glorious. <laughs> that is uh, awesome. Did you run? So I know there's these like sort of three rivers that come together at a confluence in Denver. I've, I've run around there a bunch was, what was your route? So I'm actually a little bit closer to Boulder. Um, so I actually ran on a dirt road, which most people don't even know you can find around here, but they do exist. Nice. Uh, how about you, Sean? Did you run? Not yet. Uh, I had like a 7 a.m. meeting this morning. So I woke up, I did some like stretching and whatnot. And then I'm probably going to run after this uh, before like nighttime. Uh, I need to get my steps in. I'm, I'm pretty far behind today. So uh, I'll, I'll get on it. Did you end up running today, Keith? I know we talked earlier today. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It was just three and a half miles. Nothing nothing remarkable at all. So I'm just around the mission. It was, it was, but it was warm and nice. And I'm glad it's done. So. Amanda, um, for reference, Keith has this uh, run streak going on. And I think, what are you at, like 220-something days? No, today was um, 246 of at oh, least wow. 5K. I guess it's been a while since I've checked in. Yeah, he just refuses to stop running, which is, uh, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's the best thing, but it... I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't encourage it for 95% of runners. But there are some <laughs> folks who do never get injured it's totally fine for them or are just smart enough about it to know like not every run needs to be 10 miles <laughs> yeah yeah i mean this is my third run streak the first two came to an end in the predictable way which is injury and yeah you know i'm somewhat beholden to it because my sister has a run streak that's 99 days longer than mine and so as long <laughs> as she keeps running she's sort of pulling me behind her and ah. Uh, this is going to end badly. I know it, but uh, in any case, so we have a bunch of questions for you here. Um, first, I'd just like to congratulate and marvel at your accomplishment of running 26,000 miles. Do you have an updated tally? I don't. I need to probably go look. It That's got to be 
roughly what it is though because okay. the only addition would so far be what i've kind of done this year okay so um, yeah to put that in perspective that would be 3.5 miles a day every single day without fail for 20 years that's incredible could you tell us and our listeners a bit about your journey yeah so um if there's one word to describe me most people would say consistent i am extremely consistent at anything that i do um so running for me started you know towards the end of college prior to that i played a bunch of sports but i think like a lot of people i ran when i was in trouble i was late to practice or the team did something wrong and so i pretty much i hated it i just never wanted to run i would do whatever i could to get out of it And then end of college, some friends were going to do a half marathon as a road trip. And it just never occurred to me I could go on this road trip without doing the race. The only way I could go was with I was going (laughs) to do this race. Um, So my first race ever was a half marathon. Um, Probably good and bad because it set me up for the mentality that I run far, not fast. (laughs) Um, But it was the first time I ever ran because I wanted to. And that was a real game changer. Um, And I think it's been kind of what's driven me all these years to keep running consistently has just been this sort of feeling of, man, that's hard for me. And I'm still just really proud I showed up and did it. Wow. Do you like what's the last I mean, do you get injured? (laughs) (laughs) Not a crazy amount. So I had an IT band injury in like 2007-ish, somewhere right around there. Um, And I did what a typical runner does. I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And then I showed up to race day, uh, a marathon, and made it about halfway before I was literally dragging my leg. It was like a 26-minute mile. And I was so determined to finish because I thought that's what a real runner does. And so I finished and I couldn't run for six months. (laughs) Um, Yes, that pretty much changed my perspective on everything. I got really good at PT (laughs) and warm ups. So since then, I had no injuries until 2017 when I jumped on a trampoline and it resulted in knee surgery. (laughs) But running wise, I do all the little things that I preach about. (laughs) (laughs) So that's 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 crazy. Uh, Kind of my my interpretation is that you know for it's like really interesting to like learn about like what motivates uh, people to run and for like for Keith and I, it's really about like how do we just get faster and compete more. Uh, especially for me, I used to just be like a casual runner. Then over the past probably two years, I've actually, you know, started com- uh, racing and competing and continue to to want to do that. Uh, but like my understanding is now you kind of like you more occasionally race, but you're seem, you're very consistent, uh, but not not a huge fan of like continuously push for like race after race after race, which, you know, we have friends that do like in non-COVID times, you know, 15 races a year, 20 races a year, which is insane. But like what, what are kind of some of the things that keep you motivated is to keep you know, running when there isn't like some a goal or some race to, to go and go after. Yeah. It's funny. I could tell you were competitive just from the things you said at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast. Um, so it's, that's an awesome thing to drive people. Um, I am competitive when I do show up on race day. So I do have high expectations by the time I tow the line, but 
yeah, I can run one race a year and be perfectly content. So the in-between is really kind of, man, running is where I process. So it's where I get my creative ideas. I'm outlining story ideas in my head. It's, you know, relaxation. It really just changes the way I think I look at the world and what I'm capable of. So for me, that kind of deeper why I consistently come back to on the days where I'm kind of dragging and I'm like, yeah, but this matters. Like it matters when you show up for this. So that's what's kind of kept me going even when there aren't races. That's has your relationship with running changed at all during the pandemic? So I actually ran more miles than I have ever run in a given year last year. Um, like, likewise, <laughs> I, I yeah, agree. same with me. <laughs> yeah, we all did. <laughs> yes. So it was really funny to sort of hear from people that you know they had lost all motivation to run, and I understood because when you're so stressed out, yeah, your body doesn't feel like it. But for me, it was an escape. It was. At least if I'm outside, I'm not listening to the news. <laughs> so I can't go anywhere else, but I can stay 20 feet away from everyone by running down this dirt road. Mm. Um, so that was a big deal. And I had had a very long time goal of running an ultra marathon, um, but it never was the quote right time because there was a marathon I was training for, or I was writing a book. Um, so last year sort of gave me the time to put in the miles. What was your mileage? Um, so nothing insane. I'm not like a huge, like crazy mileage. I was hitting like 50 miles a week, pretty consistently all summer long. Um, and for me, that was like a solid, solid year. Yeah. That's a lot. You, yeah, it's it's uh it's always interesting when you say oh only fifty miles a week. I up until I think last year was the first time in like ten years I ran a fifty mile week. Oh uh, yeah, so for more, me it had been a good decade since I had run that yeah. many miles. My average my average week is about forty. So I mean it wasn't okay. a massive jump, but it was a consistent like more consistent. mileage. I yes, I have so many friends though that run like. 60, 70, 80 miles. And granted, that's partially because I live in Boulder, which is this crazy yeah. little world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I was in Boulder last fall when the wildfire smoke got really bad in San Francisco. I just went to Boulder to do a bunch of running. And yeah, I mean, that town is filled with extreme endurance athletes. It's Oh, it's, it's fascinating. You're out on a run and feeling pretty good. You're in the middle of an interval and somebody trots by you clearly doing their easy run. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh it was pretty humbling. I was um I also went up to Estes Park and did a couple runs up and up there and yeah, I'm just getting like blown by by these people which you know, it's, I don't know. It was, it was look, it's probably good for me, but it's not something that I'm supposed <laughs> to do. Um do you run most days or how do you like, do you have like a calendar or like, uh, yeah, what is your approach there? Yeah. So now I run five days a week. Um, when I was younger, there was a period where I was running seven days a week. Um, but I was also never strength training or doing core or glutes or hips or anything else. I just ran, I think like most of us have done at some period. Um, so now I've sort of found that balance where like five days feels really good. I still have the energy to do good strength training and that's helping me like, you know, stay injury free and feel stronger and, and 
get faster when there is a race. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So like, you know, looking at your running resume, it implies you have a certain obsession that uh, both Keith and I can, can relate to. And do you have any tips for like how to emotionally and mentally handle situations where, you know, your running plan is interrupted by an unexpected, you know, quote unquote, real life obligation? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I do not like it when that happens. Um, <laughs> Cause like we've, we've said running is part of my day, mm-hmm. but certainly it is, you know, something that happens. So if it's like a one day thing, then I just kind of say like, you know, it happened. That one day is not a big deal in the scheme of things. If it looks like there's going to be a week. So, you know, that week where I have to go to Iowa to see my husband's family in the middle of winter and it's icy and I know I can't go outside to run, then I plan ahead in finding ways to adjust. So, cool. Maybe I'll get up and, you know, find a little space to do a body weight workout or something so that I feel like I'm still getting that movement, which is for me. And then the other thing I found that actually works really well is getting everyone else involved. So whatever the situation is, it's way back when we had conferences, grabbing people at lunch to take a walk or, you know, with his family, it was saying, Hey, what if we all go to the rec center and play basketball. So a lot of times I think it's actually inviting the people around us that are part of that situation to join us, which we don't consider for some reason. Um, But that often kind of makes room for there to be some movement. And then you just feel better and know you'll get back on when you can get back to normal. I have two stories sort of related to this. The first is they were both the same day, actually, or maybe, well, okay. So my sister got married at the end of 2019 and she was in Chicago and she asked me to try to organize a run for everyone in the family to go on. And, you know, I planned a route so that it sort of did a little bit of sightseeing through Chicago and I, you know, did it so that everyone could be sort of chill and hanging around the same pace. And one by one, so everyone was like enthusiastic in the weeks and months leading up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, I'll definitely be there. And then, yeah, after the like rehearsal dinner, one by one, people started (laughs) dropping out and I was really annoyed. And then, yeah, the second part of the story is the next day was my sister's actual wedding. And I wanted to run in the morning. I had a run streak going and I was unable to for various reasons the night before. Um, And then yeah, my sister's wedding ended early enough. And the rule for my run streak is as long as I start the run before exactly midnight, so I can, I can go out. So yeah, after my sister's wedding, it was, it was in late October in Chicago. I think it was snowing out and yeah, I went for a three mile run, but yeah, well, like I do 11. not. 50 at night. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Strava start time was like 1152 or something. Wow. It, it counts. It I counts. think that's part of being a runner though. There is this like dedication and this drive to want to make it happen, we will like flip our schedules inside out to like mm-hmm. find those few minutes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting. I did a, I did a similar thing for my wedding. I invited like a bunch. I'm like, Hey, whoever wants to come on this trail run the morning of my wedding. Cause we all stayed in this like house up in the woods. Uh, and Keith, we were like over, we stayed in uh, like on basically Mount Tam was where the place was at. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to like everyone wanted to join me. I was like, guys, I like no offense, but I don't like this is like a hard run. It was East Peak, which is basically like 2000 feet of elevation over like three or four miles. So it gets it's it's up. It just goes straight up. 
And a lot of my friends were just like like hungover after like the rehearsal dinner. And they just were starting dropping and dropping. And they're just, it was so funny. Uh, I was like, let's get to the top. Let's get to the top. He's like, I don't want to go anymore. I don't want to go anymore. And they didn't know yeah. how to get back. So we had to put like, we had to like put, take our shirts off and like put them down on the path to make sure they took like the right turn back to the house. Leave a breadcrumb trail. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. The East um, Peak of Mount Tam is not a very accommodating uh, family run. Uh, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved it. But um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't ever lack for motivation or drive. And I think a lot of runners, like you were saying, Amanda, can sort of relate to that. Like part of what makes me a strong runner is that I feel like I can push through the little aches and pains that pop up from time to time. But I often find like it's hard for me to recognize when I'm injured versus when I'm making excuses. So do you, how do you know when it's time to take a day off or some time off? Like, do you, yeah, do you have any tips for that? It's such a good question because running is inherently a little uncomfortable. So every run is sort of a question of like, am I just tired and this is going to get better or should I not be doing this? Um, the couple things I always go through with our athletes are kind of like, if anything is a sharp pain or anything is changing your actual form while you're running, that's an immediate like red light stop this run goes no farther. Cause a lot of times we'll just compensate. We'll start leaning a little to one side and we know we're doing it even if we pretend we don't. Um, so like, that's always a no go. Um, after that, there are a couple little tricks. So one that I found is while you're running, something starts to hurt. If you sort of do like thinking about your brain as a browser with tabs open and you switch to a different tab and start thinking about something else, does that pain actually kind of go away? So you stop giving it attention. Does it now not really hurt? Okay. It was probably just that you were tired and your brain wants you to stop when it's tired. Um, And so that's kind of an easy check for a lot of people. If you Mm. think about something else and then nope, that thing is still there it's a good sign that something's going on. Let's stop, get it checked. Um, The overtraining though is the one that's a little more insidious because it's not like, oh, my knee is so painful. It's more, gosh, I'm not sleeping that well, even though I'm putting in all this work. Gosh, I have a little bit of Mm. brain fog. Oh, you know what? My mood actually has been swinging a little bit. Um, So the overtraining is the one that I think a lot of runners fall into more easily than they realize. Um, And really, the thing they notice first is actually sleep for a lot of people. So they feel like I'm doing all these workouts. I'm so exhausted, but I get in bed and then I don't go to sleep. Um, so for me, that's usually the first sign where I say like, okay, it sounds like a rest day or two or three, or, you know, really making sure your easy runs are easy is, is in order. What do you do to, (laughs) so I hear you. That's, that's makes sense. Uh, intellectually, (laughs) I can understand that there are times when I should not run. Um, it's really hard for me to, I get this panic that, Anytime I'm not moving forward, I'm moving backwards. And I can intellectualize about why that is not a good framework. But yeah, short of like, you know, throwing away all my shoes so I like physically can't go out there. I, yeah, I struggle to, to force myself. Yeah, do, what do you tell your like particularly stubborn coaching clients? 
So especially with rest, I think one of the things that has started to shift that mindset is understanding what rest is. So for sure, when I started running, I thought rest days were just me being lazy. Um, But now, like, I'm obviously someone who loves, like, the science and the data. So sort of seeing, like, stress plus rest is how I actually grow. So during that rest day is when my body is actually catching up to all of the work that I've been doing. And if I never give it that day, then I'm never actually getting the gains from all of the work that I've been doing. And that shift for a lot of my runners really helped them to start actually using their rest day and to understand that for me, rest days can also be active recovery. So it can be a walk, it can be mobility. You don't have to just sit, but you may get to the point where you realize like, no, you know what, today I'm just going to sit and this is exactly what feels good. And then tomorrow's run, like, oh, I've got this new little bit of energy that I kind of didn't even realize I was missing. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the charts where, you know, you, you see training impulse or whatever, and, you know, your, your fatigue goes up and then, yeah, your ability to perform the next day goes down. But then over time, your ability to perform. Yeah, I know rest is a good idea. I just, <laughs> it's really hard well, it, for me to internalize so, it. So, Ama- <laughs> Amanda, you mentioned that, you know, it took you a little bit of time to actually start incorporating things like strength training and like these hip exercises and and all of that into your training. I, I'm, I do a pretty good job of that of like when I need a rest day or I'll take a really short run in the morning, like three or four miles, take it really easy. Then I transition over to like doing a, a, a heavier on the strength workout or I'll hop on the bike. Keith, you need to focus on like, out, uh, Keith is like, oh, I just run. Keith, I, we, I've been harping on Keith for like a couple of very years now. Very one like note. Start. It's very good of like, you can take a rest day off of your legs. And I've been, I struggle with this too, but take that rest day off your legs and do some strength, you know, do some pushups. I don't know. Um, I think it's easier to convince people to do strength training if either they have had an injury or they are realizing like, in my case, as a female over 30, like you start losing muscle mass. So like, unless you do something about it, like you have some big problems headed your way. But if you're running every day and generally like life is fine, it is a little harder to convince you to like skip a run and do that instead. (laughs) Yeah, I have to get humbled by an injury. And when I do get injured, I you know, really dedicate to the PT and make sure that I do my physical therapy every day. And, but then it just, it's, it tapers and then it tapers some more. And then, you know, two months have gone by and, you know, I haven't done any of my PT exercises and the injury goes away, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's hard to exercise perfectly. Like I can do, (laughs) I have, I'm really good at running every day, but I, yeah, if I, if I ran less and did other things, I would be generally probably a bit more balanced. What like do you have any thoughts on when someone is going through an injury and they have to do PT or they should spend more time stretching? For me, I've been battling a hip issue for the better half of like two and a half years. And the reason is is I'm not flexible and like I've gone to PT twice and they're like, you can't like you're like the most inflexible person I've ever met, do all these hip exercises. And then I do them for like 10 minutes and I'm like, I'm bored. And then I just continue to run because I, I just you know, naturally. Um, I'm kind of curious that you said, you know, when you, when you had your injury with your IT band, like how was it to like, and when you, when you coach uh, individuals, like, Hey, do your PT and actually stretch. Cause stretching is so 
like it's like oh i can run two more miles or i can stretch for 20 minutes like what do i want to do oh running two more miles sounds like a better idea yeah I think a couple of the things that I have found extremely helpful for everyone is so we talk about a dynamic warm up and you know we think about our leg swings and all that but I just add in like a few minutes of like hip and glute work to every single warm up so okay if you're running 7 days a week cool if you get 2 minutes of glute work 7 days a week I'll take that. That's awesome. That's glute bridges and clamshells and single leg bend and reach like that adds up. And so I've sort of found like if I can get people to wrap that PT, whatever it is, into their warm up, then Mm. it's already part of what they're doing for the day. So it doesn't feel like, oh, I need to plan out an additional 20 minutes to do all this stuff later. So okay, can the warm up now be like maybe 20 minutes by the time you do dynamic and some glute? Yes, but you can also bust through it. Um, and it makes the run better because now we've activated all those muscles or loosened them up. So that's one thing that has definitely helped. Um, on the stretching side of things, there's no evidence that we have to do it immediately after a run. Um, so then I just say, cool, like in the evening when you're whatever, watching YouTube, watching TV, can you just stretch for a little bit then? Um, you know, whatever that point is where you're kind of relaxing for the day. And so it takes that pressure off of time around the actual run. Cause that's usually it, right? We need to finish right. the run, get in the shower, get to work, like get everything started. Um, so just kind of taking that little pressure off the run and saying, it's cool. Just make it a little bit of a routine later in the day. Yeah. Awesome. yeah I need to, I need to start incorporating it into, if you do, I always think if you do things before it's easier, like I always do like abs and I'll do some stretching and stuff before I run, because after you run, you're like, eh, yeah. and then you never do it. hundred <laughs> um, percent. So switching, switching gears a little bit, uh, talking about gear, uh, pun not intended at the time. Um, like, what do you think about running watches? You know, Keith and I go back and forth on this of, you know, are they a net positive or net negative for like the mental health of runners and kind of tying in like running watches to like, you know, something like Strava or, you know, run keeper, you know, whatever other folks use, but what's your general view on, on the, uh, you know, how running watches affect like mental health of runners? I think on the whole, they're a good thing. Um, certainly it's really easy to get too tied into pace, which is what I talk about all the time, instead of just running whatever feels easy for the day. But I think because so many runners have a little bit of that competitive mindset that you've been talking about, it's the, well, I ran this far last time. Can I go just a little bit farther? (laughs) Or it is what like you go to do that next speed workout and can I go just a little faster? And so it does help us improve as long as we don't get so sucked into each individual run. Um, My husband makes me laugh when he goes through phases of running. There was a while where like he just thought every single run was supposed to be faster than the previous run. (laughs) So, I mean, he made it for about three weeks and then was like, I don't enjoy this at all. (laughs) No one would. That was a horrible plan. Um, but yeah, I think it's like yeah, that- finding the right data. And actually, that's why I'm not on Strava. Um, so besides like the personal safety of millions of people knowing where I run, um, 
it's also, I just don't want to be comparing all of my runs to everyone else. Like I just, today felt easy to me and that's good enough. (laughs) Yeah. It's the, uh, the other problem Keith and I have of like this, like weird FOMO is like, oh, I ran 10 miles today, but then like Keith ran 13 and then I get all upset (laughs) (laughs) and I felt good about myself up until, you know, I, I like refreshed Strava, um, that's 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 the that's the challenge. I agree. I agree with you on that. Um, it really is a delicate balance between, yeah, using it for motivation and for inspiration, and letting it insipidly sort of, you know, pollute your mind with negative thoughts about you know yourself. And so I I, I don't have any great answers here. There there is some Goldilocks zone where there's a healthy balance, but I'm I'm still working on it myself. Yeah, the question I get so frequently now because almost every single watch has it is unproductive or detraining. So my watch says I'm unproductive and I'm like, just turn that feature off. I know. (laughs) It's it's never accurate. It doesn't make any, it's just like, oh, like, yeah, you're, you're like resting. I'm like, no, I just ran like 12 miles today and like 10 yesterday. I'm, I'm not like rested. Uh, it's, yeah. It's much the day now. after a marathon and it tells you you're detraining. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, just <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> Sean, was it you or was it somebody else who was saying they got really sick for a week and then their watch said they were peaking? And the reason why was oh, because was me, their mileage was down. <laughs> it's like completely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, this notion that you could you could get some there's this big constellation of data like your heart rate and your pace and the air temperature and the elevation and all these things and you can imagine triangulating that into some sort of useful thing but I think it's it varies too much person by person that any general formula that a company like Apple or, or Garmin uses yeah I feel like it, it's doing so much more harm than good but you know maybe in maybe in five years they'll they'll dial in those algorithms a little bit better but for now I feel like it's almost reliably incorrect. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm, I can ignore that anyway. Outside, um, of, outside of watches, what would you say like your favorite piece of like running gear is? So it's one that I thought for many years was a luxury, but is now my have to have, which is my hydration pack. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't know how many years people told me it's amazing. You'll love it. And I just kept saying, I don't really need that. Um, granted, I was also the runner who did not run with a phone or carry anything else for a long time. So now I would not dream of doing that for safety reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. But also just realizing like, oh, I can easily sip water on this 10 mile run. That was convenient. Um, So that's kind of my like, it was worth every penny. What, what would you say is something that is like a luxury today that you feel is, oh, it's like nice to have, but you don't really need it. So probably actually my GPS watch. I have like a top end polar watch um, and it has the most accurate heart rate reading. I've tested tons of watches. And so I don't need 90% of the features that are on this watch. It's a lot of money for me to have a really accurate heart rate without wearing a chest strap. (laughs) (laughs) I had a very similar thing when I was buying my new uh, Garmin. My wife was like, why do you need all of this? I'm like, I only need like the two things. I don't need the other 15 things, but I might as well. Uh, and Garmin has so a watch for every price point, right? There's a there's a $50 one and it goes all the way up to like a $700 one. In fact, I think they have a new one that like uses, 
energy from the, it recharges using solar power. Oh, yes, yes there is power. a new yeah, solar power yep, Solar Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like eight ninety nine. Like, yeah, it's nine hundred dollars. Why don't why not just carry two watches and use the second one when your first one went whatever. Okay. Well it's ridiculous um, because like the Garmin gets like eighteen hours of GPS battery life. Unless you're Yeah, you have to be doing, doing ultra, ultra, ultra marathon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I do have a friend who's an ultra marathoner and um he used to carry multiple watches with him. I'm not sure if he's still doing that, but um, I haven't talked to him in a few years, but yeah, he used to carry like two or three so that when the first one ran out of batteries, he could, he could start using the second one. Um, wow. He was obsessed with data. So um, Amanda, I've been considering undertaking your 30 day core challenge that you have on your website. How diligent are you about sticking to your core routine? I am really diligent at this point. Um, so I would say when I had knee surgery in 2017, um, I was already doing a lot of the things, but going back to PT again and having someone say yet again, oh, your glutes are still a little weak. I was like, okay, that's it, man. Like <laughs> this has to be like my new life's mission is to stop having any PT say my glutes are weak. Um, so yeah, pretty much, like I said, now it's also part of that warm up. So before every single run, there's core work happening. Um, and it really, even the intensity that I've added in from putting together the challenge and doing it with everyone over the last couple months, I've noticed my paces dropping again. So that's been exciting. Interesting. Do you think I have to ask this? I think I already know the, okay, I'm going to ask it. If you, if you do a bunch of strength work before a run, how does that affect your pace on that run? Would, would you, for example, do it before a race? Yeah. So it, when you are new to adding in like glute and hip work, you definitely have to sort of limit how much you do before the run. So like, you know, five minutes, that may be like more than enough because if you're new to doing it, you're fatiguing those muscles. But when you've been doing it for a little while, even that five minutes now activates those muscles. So you've been sleeping or you've been sitting all day, it fires them up. So they're actually better, like better able to get going. So yeah, I'll definitely be doing it before my next race. Yeah. I found that yeah, when I first started doing a lunge matrix before my runs, the the first few times, I felt like it hurt the 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 run itself. But now, yeah, I feel almost naked or unprepared without it. If, if I <laughs> if for some reason I need to like start running before I can do my lunge ra- matrix, I get this sort of anxiety. It's it's silly. Oh, I didn't know you did a lunge matrix before you. I run. do, man. Yeah, it's such oh, it's yeah. my favorite move, especially for anyone who's ever had IT band issues, which I have. So well, I need to, yeah, I have no. a lot to learn here. I, I just walk outside and go. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, so we have like some like, you know, quick lightning round uh, questions. So you don't have to like, off the top of your head. Uh, curious of, do you have any running superstitions like before race day or just in general? Gosh, I was trying to think if I have any. Um, I mean, don't eat catfish. I learned that the hard way before a race. But otherwise, I don't think I have any other. Wait, wait, was it was it the night before the race or was it the day of the race? Okay, (laughs) it was the night before. It's a poor choice. (laughs) What uh, what happened? Just you know the inevitable (laughs) stomach issues of eating fried catfish that you've never eaten before in your life. (laughs) Yeah. Best sense. time I to try something new is before race day. Yeah. What is it? Okay. I 
am really finicky about how my shoelaces are tied on my shoes. So whenever I take my running shoes off, I take them off without untying them. And I put them back on without untying them because I'm afraid that I won't get the like exact right of, you know, tightness. And I actually if, totally reason, agree. I never untie my shoes. <laughs> yeah. If for but some how do you reason, get them I, off and on? Uh, well, I can show you some techniques sometime, but yeah, yeah, you, you, you get good at it. Um, and if, and if for some reason they do come untied, I get this like little panic moment where I'm like, oh no, like now I have to rebalance them out. And if it happens before a race, like forget it, I may as well withdraw. Like it's going to consume me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. One final point on this. One of the issues with like the, uh, vapor flies and the alpha flies is you can't really, do this with them they're they're too tight on your feet and so i can't really slide them on and off and yeah i don't know i look up this is the most first world of first world runner problems but yeah <laughs> i gotta figure out like a new way to deal with my vaporfly shoelaces so that i don't get anxiety from it that's interesting um, i have one where like i only wear my nice running socks when i'm doing more than like a 10 mile run oh and do you wear I, uncomfortable until- socks in the other no, there's not like the nicer like I buy like I always get like the, the pack of like Nike dry fit for whatever like you know that the pack for 20 bucks and those are like my day like normal runners but like I bought I bought some of those like nicer like $15 ones or you know from Volga whoever they are smart wool but or whatever yeah up for I had a pair of socks for a decade that I would only wear on race day like just that one pair like it would only be on race day and I only so I only wore like a warm very There's some like cool a, science around like the mental benefits of having those things. Yeah, it's yeah, like baseball little players. And, yeah, it's like, is it? Huh. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I don't know. I mean, it feels silly, but uh, yeah. If I if I get my routine dialed in, I'm like, all right, let's go. I've, I did everything right leading up to this. I'm ready. And it's I don't know. It's silly, but it's neurotic, I guess. Do you have any unusual tips for runners that we may not have heard before? Ooh, unusual tips. Um, so one of the ones, um, running fuel, a lot of folks have issues with gels and dried pineapple is actually a really awesome fuel. So pineapple is a digestive enzyme. So for folks who have like digestive issues while they're running, it's one that they can often stomach and it's obviously like a nice carbohydrate. Um, so that works really well for a lot of people. I, I, I notoriously do not eat uh, any goos during my runs uh, because they make my stomach turn over uh, and other weird reasons. But this is this is a good tip. I'm gonna, I might try this now. Dried Let's pineapple, a, huh? Where do they okay. sell? I'm, I don't know. Dried pineapple. Pretty easy to find Trader dried Joe's. pineapple. I bet Whole Foods. Yeah. I can I imagine. Foods, I can imagine yeah. like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Okay. So the Trader Joe's ones will be like big rings that are kind of hard and chewy. You actually want the stuff that almost is like candy. Oh, this okay. True, dr- true dried pineapple connoisseur here. <laughs> <laughs> test, test it out a few different ones. Right. Living, living in Denver, uh, you see, you know, it's it's high high altitude. It snows there. Are there any conditions where you refuse to run in? Ice honestly is like my biggest no go. And I do have some ice bug shoes now. So they basically have the Uh spikes on them and they make things a lot better, but still like running downhill on ice. (laughs) My confidence level that I won't fall and break something is just not super high. So as much as I can avoid ice, that is pretty much my just no thank you. 
So wait, are the spikes metal or are they? Pl- I, I've never seen these. Um, shoes. so it's a newer. It's not a newer shoe. They've been around for a while. I actually have friends who run in Alaska, and so they all recommended it. Um, and so I got them, and they are amazing. They're not. So you've seen a lot of runners who actually put screws in their shoes. Um, or maybe you haven't because you don't live in Colorado. I have. I've, but, I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> um, so the sole, they're not like cleats. Um, it is almost just hard plastic, but it's a little like the action of a cleat. Oh, interesting. Hmm. My well, sister once broke her foot running on ice, and I've been afraid since to, to yeah. even try. It just seems... <sighs> Like yeah, you're Fortunate for, for us, Keith, we, it doesn't snow in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the next time okay. it snows here will be the first time in 40 but years or something. Last time I was in, when I was in Tahoe last year, it was a very similar situation. I was like running downhill on ice, of course. And like, I didn't know it was ice, but it was like, there's a little bit of snow over it. And I slipped, fell on my like bad hip. And that was a rough like three days of recovery. So I, yeah, I agree. I, it's not. That's kind of my thing is I'm just <laughs> not interested in being injured again. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. We're running out of time here. What should I ask last here? Okay. So you mentioned thinking about an ultra marathon. What do you have like a, a race or an event or a milestone that's next on your bucket list? Um, so at the moment I am theoretically doing Chicago this year. Um, I, you know, who knows what will happen between now and then if Chicago cancels, I'll do exactly what I did last year. So last year when Chicago canceled, since I was putting in all of that mileage, I ran my first ultra marathon all by myself. (laughs) Wow. Um, so if that's what comes to pass again, I will probably try to do the same route and see if I can do it better. How, How long, how long is that route? Yeah. I have so many questions. Um, so I did a 50 (laughs) K Okay. Um, so I mean, that's not crazy. That's 30 miles. Um, but granted, like I also had not run a marathon since 2015. So it was the first time I've run that far in a really long time. Um, I just figured I had done a whole bunch of long runs by myself. What would be all that much different about tacking on a few more miles? What did you do for nutrition and stuff? You just carried it all with you? So I had my hydration pack, um, and then I had my husband meet me at mile 20, um, which was also very funny because I have so many friends who were like, wait, you're not having him meet you till mile 20? Like, shouldn't he bike (laughs) with you or be with you? And I was like, no, there's just, I'm just going to run. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, It worked out very well that he met me at mile 20. I changed shoes. He had ginger ale and cracker in the cars, and I had hit that point where like I didn't want any of the stuff in my pack. So some ginger ale crackers. So it was about a five minute stop and then back on the way. Um, so then he met up with me again about mile 27, um, and kind of walk run with me there for a little while. Cause I was hitting like a, what am I doing? Um, I don't know why am I doing this? <laughs> um, but once I finished it generally, like truly was the proudest I have probably ever been of myself. That's awesome. Yeah. I, wait, the, I need to go back to the ginger ale really quick. Is that like, is there some science behind ginger ale or you just really like ginger ale and needed sugar? No, it was just the idea that I thought it might calm my stomach. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I just thought, yeah. okay, I'll try some of that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, huh. 
Yeah, I've never done an ultra. I I wonder. Hmm. Hmm. Sometimes. So, sometime. like I said, living in Colorado, everyone here is slightly nuts, and they all talk about ultras, and they keep saying like it's so much easier than a marathon. And uh-huh. in a way, it is because you just don't have the same mental pressure of like, mm. oh, I know how fast I can do twenty six point two. I need to go faster. This is just, can I hold on? Um, And so it was in that way mentally easier because I had zero like, oh, I should do it this fast. I think I finished in about six hours. Um, So not horrible considering I had like some pains and whatever. Um, But um, yeah. Yeah, Keith and I did a... uh Keith, Keith had an idea of doing an impromptu marathon on New Year's Eve last year, and I did it. We did it together, but it turned into a 27 mile route, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, mile 26 is like this is BS. Do but I I'm get also to not count that as an ultra? Technically, anything over 26.2, you've entered ultra territory. <laughs> hey, we've done an ultra, then Keith. Look yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was all on roads. It, it feels, I, I don't know. Oh, there I'm was not... a gravel path. There was that gravel path. After <laughs> oh, okay, the, all right. The well, then, obviously, this this will be a double ultra. <laughs> um, okay, so we promised this would be 30 to 45 minutes, and we're ticking over 45 years. So, um, thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. So that'll do it for this episode of The Final Turn. A very special thanks again to Amanda Brooks. As a reminder, you can find Amanda on runtothefinish.com or at runtothefinish on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening as always, and we look forward to having you back for our next show.